Today is the feast of the holy name of Jesus. It is also the feast day, the vigil day of the feast of the Epiphany. And so the vigil of the Epiphany is commemorated by the second oration and also by the special last gospel at the end of the Mass today. There is a third oration as well, and that is the oration commemorating the sacrifice of St. Telesphorus, an early Pope martyr of the faith. Now the epistle for this, the Feast of the Holy Name of Jesus, is taken from the Acts of the Apostles, chapter 4, verses 8 to 12. In those days, Peter, filled with the Holy Ghost, said to them, Ye princes of the people and ancients, hear, if we this day are examined concerning the good deed done to the infirm man, by what means he hath been made whole, be it known to you all and to all the people of Israel, that by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God hath raised from the dead, even by him this man standeth here before you whole. This is the stone which was rejected by you, the builders, which has become the head of the corner. Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given to men whereby we must be saved. Please stand for the Holy Gospel. The Gospel is taken from that according to St. Luke, chapter 2, verse 21. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost, amen. At that time, after eight days were accomplished that the child should be circumcised, his name was called Jesus, which was called by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. Thus far the words of today's Holy Gospel. His name was called Jesus. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost, amen. My dear faithful we have read this gospel just recently and now read it a second time in a few days. It is the shortest reading of the gospel during the year. One sentence, and it has to do with the naming of our Lord, with the name that God the Father bestowed upon him in the divine mission that he had here on earth to be the savior of mankind. Now the sermon at the second mass was rather lengthy. It wasn't as long, perhaps, as it might have seemed to many because of the number of announcements that I had to make. And because of the high mass, I will have to abbreviate that sermon here. I'm sure you'll forgive me for that. It has to do with the power of the name of Jesus. You know, we have received names from our parents who named us after relatives or after saints, ideally, as Catholics, sometimes just because they like the, the, the sound of something or it's a, a, current, a current fad among names. But in any case, our names actually have meanings. Uh, the name William, for example, means strong helmet or, or strong head. And uh, the name Christopher means the, the one who carries Christ. Uh, Hannah, Anna, has the name from Hebrew of grace, God's grace. And so on, our names 
especially names after saints, have, have meanings. But in our Lord's name, we find a meaning that is very much beyond the meaning of any other human, human name, because here we have a divine name. We know how important our own names are to ourselves. We answer to the call of our names. When we write down our names on a document, we are actually putting our own integrity on the line. We're using the signing of our names, that signature, to betoken our assent, consent, and, and affirmation, our guarantee that what is on that document is true. So our very integrity is contained within that name. We know that when we call upon God, we are not using so much a proper name for God as a word that is used to refer even across the language, even to pagan false gods and goddesses. It refers to a being. We define God as the supreme being who made all things. <coughs> but the word God is not a proper name for God. God himself, the true God, gave that proper name to Moses. In the Bible, we find, early on in the Bible, references to the importance of names. In the second book of Genesis, we find God creating Adam and giving him the commission to call all of the creatures of the Garden of Eden before him and naming them. And Adam naming the creatures of the Garden of Eden was a statement, actually, of his dominion over them. And in the book of Exodus, the very next book of the Bible, we find Moses being confronted by the flame in the burning bush and told to go back into Egypt where his life was imperiled and to demand that his people, the Hebrew people, be freed from the slavery of Egypt and the dominion of Pharaoh. And Moses insisted on knowing the name of God who spoke to him from the burning bush. At first, the answer was, I am the God of your fathers, Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. I am the God whom they recognized, whom they called upon, whom they adored. But Moses persisted, but the actual proper name, and God gave that name to Moses, Yahweh, I am who am. I am the one who is. And there's so much contained in that special name, Yahweh, that God exists of himself, not like you and me. You and I have received our existence from others. The entire universe itself received its existence. It had to come into, into being. It was created by the will of God, the God who exists of himself, who needs no creator no one to make him or summon him into existence. He exists, he is, he is, he is the one who is. The most proper name of God, therefore, was considered so holy by the Jews that only the high priest could utter that name once each year, that is, on the Feast of the Atonement, and only in one place, in the Holy of Holies. Otherwise, the name was considered to be too holy that the uttering of the name would be considered disrespectful to God. So they would refer 
In the Old Testament, to God is Adonai and Elohim and by other names or titles. But the proper name of God they would use only once in the course of the year to show the great reverence they had for that name. Now, we take the name of Jesus with that same reverence. So we do not simply refer over and over and over to our Lord merely as Jesus, even though that is the great holy name assigned by the Father to our Lord. We refer to our Lord as our Lord Jesus Christ, or as our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, or even simply as Jesus Christ, the anointed the anointed one, the, the Messiah. Someone once wrote to a Mac, to the program What Catholics Believe, criticizing us for not using the name of Jesus more regularly. But actually, historically and traditionally, it is considered to be disrespectful to simply refer to our Lord that way, even as it was by the Jews, to refer to God as merely Yahweh, that name is too holy to treat very commonly. And so it is for Catholics, we've always been told that when we hear the name of Jesus, we bow our heads. When we say the name of Jesus, we bow our heads. And we don't just use the name of Jesus profanely. We use it with great respect, always referring to our, our Lord as our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, we are told by the church also that the name of Jesus, our Lord, is a, is a prayer and so powerful that when that name is pronounced with faith and with hope and with charity, love, love for the holy name, love for the Lord whose name it is, that that holy name produces wonderful things. Great miracles have occurred at the command invoking the holy name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And even at the moment of death, if we call upon our Lord, saying devoutly his name three times, with faith and hope and charity, as I say, animating our hearts, that that would obtain for us a plenary indulgence for the, for the temporal punishment due to all of our sins of our entire lives. What power there is in that holy name. We can see why Satan wants the name of our Lord blasphemed, therefore. The second commandment says, Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. And that doesn't even mean necessarily deliberately, disrespectfully. It just means without the proper respect due to it. And so Satan wants the name of our Lord blasphemed. And he convinces us, mankind to blaspheme the holy name so that the church herself established the holy name societies of her men in the 1200s after the Council of Lyon in 1274. The holy name societies were established for Catholic men to defend the integrity and the respect due to the holy name of Jesus, our Lord and Savior. And the litany of the holy name came into existence in the 1500s, again, to withstand the, the, 
the blasphemies of mankind against the holy name. Definitely the work of Satan to insult our Lord. <coughs> now when we are moved to insult our Lord, we're often moved to blasphemy, attacking the person of our Lord by showing disgust and disdain and contempt for his holy name. Out of anger, so often blasphemy is provoked by anger. Anger, that, that terrible crime which is akin to the devil's own crimes against God because it comes directly from pride. Our anger comes directly from pride, and therefore when we list the seven capital sins, we begin with pride, but the very next sin we name after pride is anger. We are so furious that we have been offended, that we, we think we've been insulted, and we cannot bear the slight or the insult because of our pride. Anger, like pride, makes us very much like Satan himself, and it threatens to make us very even more into like him, being like him in hell. Anger eats at the soul like an acid. It sickens all of those around who have to live with it in the heart of an angry person. And it even reaches out to try to attack God in heaven through blasphemy. We also find blasphemy as the result of a certain contempt for the holiness of God in joking. People who invoke the name of God to add to a mock solemnity to what they're saying either in jokes or even invoking the holy name of, of God and Jesus in false oaths, to swear false oaths, as though the God who can neither deceive nor be deceived, the God who is all truth, could be called with impunity to witness something, the truth of what is not true, of a lie. This is perjury. This is swearing a false oath, calling upon the name of God. And even if the oath is not false, to do so frivolously. Again, without need, showing a lack of reverence and respect for the holy name. So what does the church want of us? The church wants us to show that reverence for the holy name of Jesus that every Catholic should show, that the saints in heaven show. We have the litany to the holy name to pray we also have the divine praises at benediction. The divine praises are really all about the first three commandments of God. To respect him, his person, to respect his holy name, and to respect the day on which we practice our faith in honoring and worshiping him. Those are expressed there in the divine praises. And if you were going to do anything in prayer, anything extraordinary during this time, it is perhaps this that should come first. Memorize the divine praises. Blessed be God. Blessed be his holy name. Blessed be Jesus Christ, true God and true man. Blessed be the name of Jesus. Blessed be his most sacred heart and his most precious blood. 
these invocations, that God be blessed, these divine praises. Divine praises should be in the heart and even on the lips of every single one of us as Catholics today, singing the praises of God every day in the divine praises. They don't have to be prayed only in benediction as we're kneeling before the Blessed Sacrament at the altar. These divine praises should be part of our daily lives. We should know them by heart, and we should pray them every single day. And if you already do that as a practice of devotion, then God bless you for it. I know he will. And if you don't, I recommend it to you to pray those divine praises wherever you are every single day of your lives. Know them by heart. Take them to heart. And pray the litany to the holy name of Jesus also quite regularly. All of this is to make reparation to God for the blasphemies of mankind. What St. Thomas Aquinas calls the worst of the sins, because in attacking the holy name by blasphemy, we are trying to attack the very person of God, Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. I recommend these devotions to you, and I ask you to please contemplate the devotion with which the Blessed Mother herself addressed her son by his holy name. When our Blessed Mother spoke to our Lord, calling him Jesus, think of the love in her heart, in her mother's heart, when she used that holy name in speaking to her son, the Son of God, in speaking of her son to others, the love, the faith, the hope that is expressed in the heart and the voice of Mary when she spoke the name of Jesus. That should be our faith and our hope and our love when we express the name of our Lord. And think of the love that was in the heart of St. Joseph in the event of the gospel related today. When St. Joseph, the foster father of God's own son here, was called upon to stand in God's own place as father and to draw the first blood from this Savior and to bestow upon him the name given by the angels, given by God the Father in heaven himself, that St. Joseph was called upon to speak that name for the first time as bestowing it upon this child, this little child entrusted to his care. The love that was in the heart of St. Joseph at that moment as the foster father of the Son of God as he bestowed the name of Jesus on the Savior. That is the love that you and I should have in using the holy name, not abusing it, but speaking with great love and reverence. In all of this, please represent in using the holy name as God would have you speak the holy name in faith and hope and charity to all mankind Profess, indeed, with all your heart and soul that God has spoken to us through his own divine Son and given us a Savior who is Jesus, Christ our Lord. God bless you. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen.